Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you to this special message online. This is actually an extended content extra sermon here for you. Um, If you missed our live online message from this past weekend, March 22nd, you can go to Facebook or YouTube to watch that. Um, But what I said in that message was I wanted to do a longer teaching. Something we do at this church is we walk verse by verse through books of the Bible. We're in the middle of Mark. We're actually in a two-year journey through the book of Mark. We're now in the second year of that journey. And uh, I had come to Mark chapter 7 and was going to cover verse 1 through 24. But then when we had to move our message to online, we thought, hey, let's do a little shorter online message. But I wanted to film the full, extended, full teaching going verse by verse through this text online for you. So I know those of you that are watching this, man, you guys, you love the Word of God. You are hungry Uh, to learn and to grow in the Word. So that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to dig in, and I'm super excited to share with you from Mark chapter 7. So you can go there with me. Um, As you can see behind me and on the screen, the title of my message is, It Starts From Within. And we've come to Mark 7. We've been on a journey with Jesus and his disciples. Um, If you've been watching and following us along on this journey through the book of Mark, you know that Jesus fed the 5,000. Then he sent the disciples um, on a boat across the Sea of Galilee and said, I'll meet you on the other side. That's when they encountered a storm. And uh, we heard a great message about that a couple weeks back and how Jesus wants to actually build strength in us in the storm. If you want to go back, you can watch all of our past messages on our website, on YouTube, or listen on our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Um, but we, we heard this message about strength we find in our storms. Then uh, Jesus meets them in the storm. He walks on water. He saves them, calms the storm, and brings them to the other side. And there's this crossover moment. Chrissy, my wife, spoke a great message last week about that. Um, but now Jesus has landed with them. They've done some ministry in Gennesaret, or Gennesaret, depending on how you want to say it. Um, and then they continue on, not far away, to continue on in ministry, and we actually see this moment where the Pharisees show up and they want to challenge Jesus. So this is a text that is all about um, ceremonial laws and, and traditions and practices of the Jews and of Judaism. And it's really interesting because as we look at this, this text about ceremonial laws, we realize that... Um, we aren't concerned with being right ceremonial, ceremonially any longer. We aren't concerned with following ceremonial laws today. We just aren't. Um, but we are concerned with being right with God. And I think all of you out there can relate to this. Like you want to be right with God. You want to be in right standing with God. You want to be positioned um, in a right way with a right heart, a right per, you know, perspective as it relates to you and God. And most of us don't feel good enough. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I often don't feel good enough. And so our whole lives, we work and we strive to be seen as and to feel as if we are good enough. We just want so badly 
to come before God and feel good enough. But I wanted to tell you the reality is we aren't and we never will be. It doesn't matter how much good you do. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You're never going to be good in and of yourself. You're never going to be good and right with God in your own strength. And uh, this text is all about the ceremonial practices that the, the disciples and Jesus weren't doing. They weren't doing things externally. And so the Pharisees try to call them out and try to challenge Jesus, try to challenge the disciples. And we're in a season right now um, where there's a lot of things we're doing to keep ourselves clean uh, externally, right? So I, I got, got some things here with me today. So we all have that Purell hand sanitizer right now. Uh, we're making sure that we are clean, right? We're, our hands are clean. Um, we're regularly washing them. We're regular, regularly sanitizing. We got, uh, got some disinfectant wipes here, you know, got to wipe down my stand after I speak here. I mean, we're doing a lot of things externally so that we feel like we're right. We've done what we need to do. And I just tell you, like, follow what the CDC is telling us, uh, Center for Disease Control, follow what our government is telling us. Yes, these are good things to, to be doing external things to make ourselves right, healthy, clean. But when it comes to who we are in Christ and who we are to be, we all fail the test. And it doesn't matter how many things we do externally, how many good works, how many good acts, how many laws, rules, regulations we follow. It doesn't matter how hard we try with all this external stuff. It's never going to be enough because we're always going to fall short. We're always going to fail. And that was really the message of Jesus to the Pharisees and to the Jews, that look, this law that you've held so closely to, it, it is never enough. It can never make you good enough. And that's why I've come, because I'm the only one. So I want to encourage us today, because I believe there's some keys to an inside-out life, because a lot of us are going outside we're doing outside things. We're doing good things. We're, we're trying to love people. We're trying to serve. We're trying to give. Um, we're trying to, you know, be in the word. We're trying to be holy, trying to be spiritual. We're doing all this external stuff to wash, right, ourselves, but it's never enough. It has to start internally, and it has to start with allowing Jesus in, allowing him in. And so I want to read, um, just to put this whole message into context. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 7, and uh, let me jump in here, starting in verse number 1. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So, they were not practicing what we're supposed to be practicing right now. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. They even uh, sanitize their couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. So I'm going to stop there. And I want to talk to you about and share a message with you about keys to an inside out life. Because as I said, and as we see here, the, the Pharisees and the scribes were all about what was happening outside, what was happening externally. But Jesus is saying, no, it's about your heart. And so we have to live inside out lives. That the change and the transformation and the holiness, right, it has to start in us. Then it comes out of us, not the other way around. We can't make our hearts holy by doing good things. We do good things out of an overflow of what God has already done for us and the fact that he's made us holy. So first is it's always about scripture over tradition. Listen, church, I, I champion this all the time in our church. Um, while we are a fellowship and we're a part of, of uh a denomination, we always say like, look, it's scripture first. We don't put a denomination before scripture. We don't put man's um, ideas or traditions before scripture. It's always scripture over tradition. And in reality, there's a lot of things that we practice in the church that aren't even biblical. They've actually become just tradition because it's been passed down by man. And that's what's happening here. What the Pharisees hated most about Jesus, like they're always frustrated with Jesus, was that he did not adhere to their religious traditions. Jesus essentially like ignored all the religious traditions, did often the complete opposite of the religious traditions, and the Pharisees hated him for it. It drove them crazy. So I want to throw up a map because I want you guys to see how much the Pharisees hated Jesus. I don't know if you can totally see this. There's a number here, number five. It just basically is identifying where Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. So we know that Jesus um, had retreated out into the wilderness, it tells us in chapter six, and a crowd follows him. So what happens is he feeds the 5,000 and then he sends the disciples. He says, I'm going to send you to Bethsaida. I'll meet you over there. They start heading across, they encounter the storm, and on the way, when Jesus gets in the boat with them after walking on water, he actually says, I'm going to bring you to a different place, and tells them, takes them to Gennesaret. So that's right here. Well, we know from chapter 7 what theologians and historians tell us is most likely Jesus then began to travel, uh, took just a few mile trip over to Capernaum. So Capernaum was really like Jesus' home base of operations where he did most of his ministry out of. So he travels over to Capernaum. And this is where the Pharisees and the scribes actually show up to catch him. Now, they start hearing word more and more about Jesus, the miracles he's performing, um, how he's ignoring their traditions and pushing back on the religious rules. And so they make a journey from Jerusalem down here, a 90-mile journey, mind you, all the way up to Capernaum to try to catch Jesus, to try to get Jesus. I mean, this is some serious hate. That's some serious shade when you're willing to make a journey that is 90 miles. Now, some of you are like, 90 miles, that's not that far. Okay, let's just take into consideration the fact that it's 90 miles in a day of donkeys, camels, 
horses, and mostly travel by foot. And so this was an intense journey, a long journey for them just to stop Jesus' ministry. And this is a reminder for us that there will be people that will always not be for us, but against us. We will have a call on our life. We'll be fulfilling what we feel like is God's purpose. And people will go out of their way, significantly out of their way, just to throw shade at us, to throw shade at what it is we feel called to do. So don't sweat those haters. This idea, though, of scripture over tradition was something that the the Pharisees, it clearly tells us here in verse 6 and 7, Jesus actually calls them hypocrites. The Pharisees were way out of pocket, as the kids are saying, all right? They were way out of pocket in that they have now said, this is what you need to be doing, even though it's not even from the scripture. It's actually just traditions handed down by men that people before them, the religious leaders before them, told them they were supposed to do. Now they're doing and they're putting on people and they're actually forcing them, that on others. And I just want to tell you, like anytime um, we get pulled into tradition over scripture, we are now out of alignment with God. And so there, I see this in the church all the time, that there are things that have been passed down from church to church, generation to generation, and we try to force that on people. You need to live this way. You need to act this way. You need to talk this way. You need to think this way. You need to do this in a certain way. Why? Because it's tradition, not scripture. And we at our church, we will always and constantly stand on the truth and the power of scripture. In fact, one of our core values is that the Bible is our guide. We follow the Bible. We follow the scriptures. We teach the scriptures verse by verse like I'm doing today. Why? Because that is where we find our foundation. That is where and how we shape our worldview and how we live. In verse 7, we see it says, In vain, and he's quoting Isaiah, Jesus is, Do they worship me? Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He's saying, you're saying, and doctrine is is a command from God. It's, It's the direction of God. They're teaching as doctrine what is really just man's commands, men's made-up tradition. And he's saying, when you do this, the Pharisees, you've reduced your right standing with God to rituals. And you cannot reduce your right standing to God with two rituals because you'll always fall short. And we have to connect to and identify our right standing with God always with our relationship with Jesus. So we always... We champion scripture over tradition. We champion relationship over religion. That is what our church is about, and that is what God's word calls us to. Now, some of you are going, man, but, but the disciples, like, were they kind of dirty, kind of nasty? I mean, they didn't wash their hands before they ate. But I want you to understand here, this is not an issue of cleanliness. They were clean. In fact, most likely they, they did wash themselves before they ate. This was an issue of the ceremonial way of cleansing themselves. And this ceremonial way was not even from the scriptures. It wasn't even from the law, from the Old Testament. It was just tradition handed down by men. It's not the law. It's an interpretation of the law. And just so you know, like, the the law is very nuanced. And that's why I'm glad that we're not bound by it any longer. And Jesus fulfilled it. And now we don't have to go through the law to have right standing with God. But I mean, if you know anything about the law... There's a lot of nuances to it. And not only that, but they actually begin to write. I mean, there are books, there are chapters about the nuance of the law. Jesus tells them, you tie burdens on men's backs that they cannot bear. And and 
just so you know, I mean, there are rules in, in that they made, they made up, like the religious leaders, about what work looks like. In fact, you weren't allowed to spit on the ground on the Sabbath because that would be considered um, that you were somehow working the ground. You were, you were tilling it or fertilizing the ground, so you couldn't even spit on the ground. There's rules about like the size of, of fruit that you can pick up, and it can, it can be, you know, fish shape, but it can't be um, double fish. I mean, the, the nuances of the law, of the tradition of the law, it was a weight that none of us can bear. And so we see here, this is what happens. Whenever men elevate tradition over the word of God, tradition over a relationship with God, what it does is what Jesus said it does, is it's a burden on men that they cannot bear. Jesus quotes the, the prophet Isaiah here from Isaiah 29, 13, and he's saying, look, you say one thing, but you do another, right? You say this is for me, but it's really for you. You say your hearts are close to me, but really your hearts are far from me. You talk a big spiritual game, and I think we've all known, you know, Christians like this, but when it really comes down to it, your heart isn't there. Your heart isn't in it. Our, our lifestyle, our life, um, what flows out of us has to connect to the word of God. And, and I've known people in my life that talk a big spiritual game, but when the rubber meets the road, like they're nowhere to be found. When the rubber meets the road, it's evident that their heart is far from God. May that not be said of us. In verse eight, it tells us, you lead the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. He's saying, you choose man's traditions over the commandments of God. So not only are they championing the traditions of, of men, making that the priority, but they're even choosing it. They're prioritizing it over the things of God. We as a church, we follow the scriptures. We don't follow the tradition of men. And Jesus then gives this example. And uh, this word Corbin, which is a Hebrew or Aramaic word, which means for legally dedicated God. I think we have a slide for this. So this word Corbin, it means Hebrew, or in Hebrew or Aramaic, it's the meaning that, that is legally dedicated to God. And so what does Jesus explain here? And we see this in this text following here in verse 9 and 10 and, and, and 11 and through 12, where he says, look, you know that the commandment says, it's one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. Now, let me just give a real quick explanation of honoring your father and mother, because some of you are like, well, you know, that was that's for when we're kids, or that's for when we're young, or... Even when we get older, yeah, like we just don't talk, you know, down to our parents or what. This idea and, and the, the weight behind this commandment wasn't just that you honor your parents by, you know, speaking well to them and of them. It went beyond that, that when they get older, you actually take care of them. And so this is something we don't really talk about much in the church. But the reality here is that Jesus is challenging them. He's saying, look, you know the commandment. And this commandment carries the weight that you will actually take care of your parents when they get older if they can't take care of themselves. But what the Pharisees and the scribes have done is they've said, look, we want to we encourage you that you would give your money to the church. And so they issue this idea of Corbin, that it's dedicated to God. We want to we put this thing in place where you, you actually give your money to the church. And they challenged people in this day, like the people who followed the law and followed the Pharisees and the scribes, 
they actually tell him, you need to give that money to the church and not take care of your very own family. And so Jesus calls them out for this. But he's saying, look, here's what you're doing. You're encouraging this. You're actually pushing away. You're actually choosing man's tradition over the commands of God, over the commands of the law. Why? Because it benefited them. And how many of you know when it comes to money, people often choose what benefits them over what benefits God? And we're in a season right now with a lot of uncertainty. And I just encourage you that you continue to choose to be people of generosity. That you continue to choose to be people that follow the commands of God and the word of God. And that you don't get weird when it comes to money. Even though I know people are losing their job. I know people are struggling financially. And we as a church are helping with that. Um, But I want to tell you that you make sure you stay in line with God as it relates to your money too. Because I've seen in seasons like this, like we can get weird when it comes to financial stuff. Why? Because we get fearful. And the Pharisees here get weird with money. They actually say, no, you don't need to take care of your parents. Just give that money to the church. Why? Because it benefited them. It filled their pocket. It provided for their needs. And so I just want to challenge us in this. I was actually thinking about it because my grandmother, um, you know, she's 85 years old now. And so we've been keeping our distance from her in this season. But a, a couple of years back, she started getting mail from different organizations asking her for money. And then her mailbox would be got more full and more full and more full until we're at the point now where my parents have to go every single day to empty her mailbox, which is stacked full of letters from organization after organization. And these organizations, and you maybe don't know this, but we've learned this, they actually target senior citizens because they know they have money and they know they're like figuring out what they're going to do with their money in the future and they're trying to get it at what and they do it through fear they do it through coercion I mean some of these letters that you read you're just like oh my goodness like really this is what we're putting out there and it blew me away but it got me thinking about this idea that they know that these people are eventually going to pass that money on to the next generation um, it's going to be an inheritance for someone but they don't care why because it's about them And this is what happens here for the Pharisees. We cannot choose tradition over scripture. We must follow the the commands of scripture. We must root our life in scripture. Scripture over and over refers to our heart as the center of our being or who we are. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I just want to challenge us as it relates to our heart, that we center our heart on the word of God, not the traditions of men. Second, and and, and I'm going to go quicker here at the end, is we choose heart over hands. Heart over hands. If you remember reading back to this idea of 6 and 7, when Jesus calls out the, the Pharisees and the scribes and calls them hypocrites, he tells them, he says, look, you honor me with your lips, your hearts are far from me. In vain do you worship me, teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. In verse 19, Jesus jumps forward, and and I didn't read 14 through 23, so let me jump there real quick. It says, and he called the people to him again, said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that, that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. 
And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So if we go back and we look at verse 19 here, Jesus actually declares all food clean. It says, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. You see, the purpose and their purpose in terms of the Pharisees and the scribes was to instill an awareness of God's holiness. That was their job. To instill in the people an awareness of like who God is and how to and what holiness looks like and how holy God is and how we can come into alignment and holiness with God, of the reality of sin and the barrier that there is to fellowship with God. That was like all these rules and regulations. That's why they were there. But here, God actually changes the game. Jesus changes the game. This defilement of the heart has been removed. And a full fellowship with God has become a reality through the atoning work of Jesus. The ceremonial laws, they've now fulfilled their purpose. And they're no longer required. And we see actually in Acts chapter 10 when finally like Peter begins to understand this and, and the, the believers begin to understand this. And they finally are like, you know what? It's taken us several years, but we're going to do away with these rules and these laws and these regulations because we know that the atoning work of Jesus is what puts us right before God. And so I, I wanted to tell you this because so often we're so focused on the external and the Pharisees, the, the scribes were so focused on the external. That's all they could think about. And they call out the, the disciples and they call out them for their way of life. But Jesus says, no, listen, it's not what you eat that defiles you. That goes into your stomach and then it leaves you. It's what's in your heart. It's what's already inside of you. The, the dirt and the mess and the evil and the darkness that, that we have as sinful human beings. It's already there in us. And Jesus says, look, it's heart over hands. If we're going to live uh, this inside out life, we have to focus on our heart more than our hands. Now I get it. I, I just, I used Purell earlier. I used, you know, some, some sanitizing wipes earlier. Yeah, with this virus, we need to take care of our hands. But at the end of the day, like this body is going to fade away. My time on earth is going to end, but my soul is going to live on forever. And so that's why an inside out life tells us like, we got to focus on the heart over hands. We got to look internally before we focus on what's happening externally. And this is what Jesus is challenging them with here. He says, look, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. Verse, this is verse 15. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And so I said it in, in the live message that we all already have that mess in us. And that's why we need Jesus to infiltrate us, to come into us. You have to allow Jesus in so that he can fix what's within. And some of you have been holding Jesus out and you've been trying to do all the right things externally and maybe you give and, and maybe you serve and, and maybe you read the Bible and maybe you pray. But I want to ask you, is have you really invited Jesus in? Have you said, there's junk in me, I want you to get out of me. I want to change. I actually was thinking about this whole virus and now we're, you know, people are being confined to homes and I, I just started thinking like, man, the biggest tragedy in all of this would be if we 
come out of this the same as we went into this. God wants to change you. He, he wants to change you. But can I tell you something? You need him to change you. I need him to change me. And so my prayer in this is that, that God's want, we would begin to see and identify that it's our need. That God wanted to do something through this and he can do something through this. He, he works all things together for good. That his want to change us would become our need and we say, God, I want to come out of this different than I went in. I want to come out of this situation different than when I, how I was when it all started. And that, that's what I believe God wants for us. And that's why we have to focus on the heart over our hands, over the internal, over the external. And then third, we always, to live an inside out life, we, we have to choose Jesus over justification or self-justification. So as I read verse 20 through 23 earlier, we saw that what's in us is evil. Like we have evil in us. And, and Jesus gives this whole long list of like, here's all the junk in you. And some of you are like, man, that's pretty, like that's some intense stuff. Yeah, but guess what? You have some of that in you. I have some of that in me. We all have some of that in me. We need Jesus to come in and root out the bad. To wash away that which flows out of us and will continue to flow out of us our whole lives. So I want you to look at verse 21 and 23. I underlined some verses for you. And uh, it says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. That's 21. And then 23 says, all these evil things come from within. So I just wanted to tell you, man, we have this junk in us. And some of you think you're good. And I know I've had moments in my life when I think I'm good. I think I'm pretty holy. I think I'm pretty pure. And then all of a sudden, I'll be in a situation or a circumstance or a struggle. And something ugly will come out of me. I'll be like, where did that come from? Like, I didn't know I had that in me. And then quickly I realized, no, no, no. Like, that's been in me all along. That's that evil from within that Jesus was talking about. You have to allow Jesus in so he can fix what's within and then we can live out what so many of us are without, which is holiness, which is right standing. The only one that can justify you is Jesus. We choose Jesus over self-justification. You cannot do enough, be good enough, be holy enough, be pure enough. Only Jesus is holy enough, good enough, pure enough, right enough. He was the perfect sacrifice so you could stand before God and he could say, well done, good and faithful servant. So my challenge to us, church, in all of this and with this message is that we would let it start from within. That you would let it start from within you. That that stuff, that junk, which we all have, that you say, Jesus, you come in, root out what doesn't need to be here. Take out what, and what's crazy is that there will always be some left over. Like we're always going to sin. We're always going to fall. We're always going to fall short. We're always going to make mistakes. But when you let Jesus in, he actually covers you and, and, and he makes a bridge between us and God where even when there's still junk in us and he does root some of it out and he does help us and we do become more like him. But even when there's still some left and there will be up until you die, that you will be able to stand before God holy and blameless and right, not because of you, but because of Jesus. So I wanna pray for us, church. I wanna pray that all of us would let Jesus do something in us in this season. I want to pray if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, you invite him in. You would let him start, let it start from within. Live this inside out life where he makes you holy in here, 
so that you can then live holy out there. It's an overflow of what's already been done in us. It doesn't work the other way. So can we pray, church, if you're here listening to this online, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of surrender, to invite Jesus in to root out what's within to make you right with God. So repeat this prayer after me if you want to give your life to Jesus today or you need to recommit yourself to Jesus today. Say this, say, Jesus, I need you. Say, Jesus, I'm nothing without you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to change me. I ask you to make me new. I ask you to wash away and forgive my sin. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. Today, Jesus, I ask that you would start from within to take out what's in me that needs to be made right and it can only be made right by you. So I love you, Jesus. I surrender my heart to you, Jesus, and I pray this all in your name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to connect with you. Um, shoot us an email at info at projectchurch.com just so we can know that you responded in salvation to Jesus. We'll send you some information, some content about how to grow in your relationship with Jesus. For the rest of you that maybe you already have a relationship with Jesus, may we take this message to heart in a season where all of us are washing our hands, right? Keeping our external clean. May we remember to, to work on the internal, that it starts from within, that Jesus wants to root out and to purify us in here so we can live right and holy out there. We love you guys, God bless you, and we hope to see you soon at Project Church, either online or in person. God bless you guys. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is gonna be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.